five, Andrew Haley. On Dartmouth Nova Scotia's major goal is to get the world record. It's the men's 100-meter freestyle for swimmers with a physical disability. With the Summer Olympic and Paralympic Games right around the corner, delayed by a year but not any less exciting, I think it's safe to say we'll be cheering louder than ever. Sit back, but not too far, because today's guest is a world record holder and Paralympian. As they hit the wall, it is Andrew Haley of Canada first. It is going to be Andrew Haley. Go! Welcome to this gold medal edition of the Insights at Work podcast. Do you have chills? Because I sure do. Let's dive in. This is the podcast that looks at what's happening in the HR world, takes your questions and studies the research to help HR experts move forward. It's prepared by HR experts for HR experts. Right now, it's the summer of 2021, and I'd say we're turning a corner and getting back to a new normal. Over the past 18 months, we've seen ups and downs in the economy and our workplaces. We've experienced layoffs and furloughs, and we've all endured lockdowns and reopenings. But we're still here. And for those of us who've started new career paths, became at-home teachers and caretakers to our family, Well, I'd say we've been pretty resilient. But what if I told you that today's guest makes all of that look like a walk in the park? Between the thousands of early morning training sessions and the countless laps in the pool, arriving before sunrise and leaving after sunset, holding one world record and setting nine Canadian records, competing in five world championships, one Commonwealth Games, and four Paralympics, where he took home one gold and five bronze medals. Twice faced with only a 35% chance of survival and exceeding all expectations to become the best in the world at his sport. And all while doing this with an amputated leg. Well, I'd say that that is the true definition of resiliency. And he is our guest today. Welcome to the Insights at Work podcast, Paralympian Andrew Haley. Hi, Jeff. It's great to be here. Andrew, I followed your Paralympic career like so many of our listeners and fans of swimming. And I'll be honest, I'm a bit starstruck. I've been really looking forward to our conversation today about your story and resiliency. And with what's taken place over the last 18 months and the Paralympics right around the corner, well, I couldn't think of a more timely topic. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for that. I look forward to uh, having a good chat and hopefully um, your listeners can uh, learn a few things. Well, I'm sure I'll learn a few things. So let's jump right in. Andrew, you started this incredible journey at the young age of six from the small but mighty town of North Sydney, Nova Scotia. Tell me and our listeners how your swimming story started and the support you had around you and how you dealt with all of that as a child. Yeah. yeah. So um, going back many years, obviously, it was for me 1980 and um much like a lot of the parents listening you never want your child to to over to have to deal with something like this i i have a twin brother his name is brett we were downstairs in our north sydney home playing um jumping from sofa to sofa as kids will do watching television and i fell and uh, my parents were upstairs entertaining and heard a scream and came downstairs and um my dad picked me up put me into the car and brought 
and took me to the uh, local hospital. At that time, um, after some tests, doctors um, figured that things were a little more serious than we thought. It was more serious than a normal broken leg. Uh, put me into an ambulance and uh, drove me to, uh, to Halifax, which is about four and a half hours away. And um, after some tests, as you mentioned, I had osteogenic sarcoma, uh, commonly known as bone cancer, 35% chance to, to beat it. And uh, it was a tough road at the start because of the, a lot of unknowns. And back then, chemotherapy, the lights had to be off. So you can imagine, here's a small child of six years old. Uh, it's bad enough to have cancer, but it's, you're, you're taking the chemotherapy in the dark because it couldn't be light, at least at that time. So it was a tough time. Uh, but uh, I was able to, to beat the first uh, round of chemotherapy, and it was able to save my life. Hair fell out, uh, hair grew back, and then I had uh, one tr chemo treatment left. It was on my birthday, January 16, 1982. I thought the doctor was going to come in to sort of give me the clean bill of health, and unfortunately came in and told me that the, um, the cancer had gone to my lung. Another 35% chance to beat it. But we had a lot of support. A lot of family were, were really supportive of, of us. Um, it was a really tough time, but um, that resilience that you talk about, you know, just you just got me through it. I had a decision to make. I had a decision to make to uh, to make something of my life, or I had a decision to make to to, to feel sorry for myself. And but I, I chose the path of um, of what I call personal excellence. You know, getting out there and and making the best of my life, even at that young age, six, seven, eight. I chose greatness, and uh, that's why we're having the chat today. So tell me, how did you get into swimming? Well, that was really by fluke because back in those days, um, Swimming Canada was not really in the in the scene in terms of uh, athletes with disability. So the national coach knew my aunt at the time. Now, 15 years old, um, and he said, "Would you like to join the swim team?" This is in so this would have been in Sydney, obviously about 20 minutes a half hour away from my home in North Sydney. And I had a really bad hang up on it because I didn't want people to see my disability. I really had a hard time. We'd go to Florida and I would wear sweatpants, not shorts, because I didn't want people to see my artificial leg. And it's a very impressionable age. People sort of make fun of you a little bit. So why would I want to expose my, my disability to somebody in a pool setting? That was really trying to get out there. So I had a really, uh, so I, but I, I did it anyways, you know, thinking, you know, let's try this. I had a really good chat with my coach at the time. And uh, he made me see that, um, you know, give it a shot, you know, give everything a shot, give anything a shot. And I started, um, and gradually one practice led to another practice, uh, led to a little bit more confidence, and led really to my happy place, and led to a place where I was, I was at peace in the water. I didn't have my artificial leg holding me down. Um, this is what I was meant to be. This is what we are as humans, in my view, was meant to be, is to get in there and feel free. And uh, I think it was that passion. And I think anytime you go after a goal or go after something really, really important, you need that passion deep down inside to to get you there and I had it and uh, that's sort of what propelled me to, to keep it going. On that point about keeping it going and the support you had, I read an interview with you where you mentioned that there'd be tougher days than others and your coach wouldn't let you dwell on that disability but he'd say, yeah, Andrew, it's unfair but you can do this. You know, there's a lot of people when you have challenges that want to help you no matter what those challenges are and um, so I think I had a lot of supportive teammates and I had a perspective of a coach who just wanted to give it a shot. And we're talking about a coach who did not have any um, experience dealing with somebody with a disability. So this is a brand new path that both of us were on. But he had, he had experience dealing with people. And he had experience dealing with certain um, 
mindsets for how you want to perform and how you want to get in there, right? Maybe somebody's feeling uh, anorexic or, you know, the self-conscious about the way they look or whatever the case may be. So I think in, in those cases, I just, I just tried and I had so much support um, to, get on, to get on with it. But then when I went to um, World Championships in 1990 in Aston Holland, I saw people with no arms and no legs and one arm, one leg, and blind and dwarfs. And I saw the whole, the whole, scheme, the whole list of some of the disabilities. And I felt encouraged by this. But the main takeaway from World Championships was on the plane ride on the way home, I told myself one day I was going to be world champion. So I went back to Nova Scotia with the mindset that I was, this was my goal. This is my passion. This is what I'm going to write down and put on my walls that I'm going to be a world champion one day because I'm coming off of two cancer victories, right? So for me, everything else that I accomplished in the pool was complete gravy because statistically speaking, I should not have even been there in the first place. So let's, let's put my best and only foot forward and uh, let's see what, uh, see what comes of this. What was it like to have all of those people believing in you? And what was it like knowing that you've got this community behind you? Were you swimming for yourself or for the affirmation of your parents? Or was it because the coaches had invested so much time in you? At that point, what was the motivation to swim? I think initially it was just for me. You know, I think I needed to feel more comfortable with who I was and what I could offer. Um, before I start thinking about my mom and dad or sponsors or the media or friends and family and I think I just needed to, to swim and, and do it for the love of swimming, you know, and do it for because I enjoyed it. And if I didn't end up enjoying it, then doing it for somebody else is just not really going to matter. But as I got better, as I started going to competitions, as I start realizing that I could probably, you know, make a dent on the world stage, then I started thinking about who supported me. You know, my mom and dad were first and foremost, my brother, my family. Yeah. So continuing with that theme of support, I mean, there's always sometimes that one person in the office who's the naysayer. Andrew, what's your advice to those who come up against the naysayers? Yeah, isn't that, isn't that, isn't that always the case, right? You start something and then you, you have somebody who wants to say, you know what, you think you should do that? I mean, think about those times where you don't have full conviction. People need to realize what your goals are, what your dreams are. Put them out there to people. Because the way I look at things, I look at it as if I, have a, if I am a, 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 a book. You know, and every day that I do something is going to go into my book. So I want to make sure that if my kids later on read my book, this book of me that, that, um, that would just get created every single day in some sort of archive, that they see something great. Right? They don't see somebody who quit. They don't see somebody who, who gave up on the dreams. They don't see somebody who, you know, when the going gets tough, you stop. Right? They see somebody who just went after it. And if you have somebody in your life is sort of this naysayer and tried to get down on you and tried to give you a hard time, and they may not even doing it consciously. They may just doing it subconsciously. Um, you got to take them aside and say, listen, I really want to do this, and I really appreciate your support. Um, and if you can't support me, then that's fine, but I don't think we can talk for a little bit. I love that. I love that open book on display. It's a great concept, and I'm a big fan of letting others know what my goals are when I've got a big project that we're launching because I'm showing that I've got a commitment to my team, and I'm holding myself accountable too. At the end of every motivational talk that I do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let the cat out of the bag a little bit, um, but every motivational talk I do, my last slide is I am amazing. And I put it into the I format because I know sometimes people are going to read my slides. 
And in that slide, I do it because I want everybody to know in the room that they're amazing. They have something inside them that they can accomplish greatness with. It doesn't necessarily have to be long-term. It doesn't have to be take six months, a year, whatever. It could be something a little bit shorter term, like volunteering at the school or um, you know, helping your kids with homework all the time or whatever the case may be. And then I follow that up with, with this, is that you don't have to conquer the world. You just have to conquer your world. But then I would take this back to the context of what we're talking about today. And what we're talking about today is just basically overcoming obstacles, is pushing forward, is being your best self. And whatever context that means for you, uh, make it happen, right? It's never too late to make it happen. Andrew, I want to talk about how you competed alongside able-bodied athletes as part of the Dalhousie University and the University of Ottawa swim teams. In fact, you were the swim team MVP at the University of Ottawa. What was it like being a part of those swim teams with you being a high-performance disabled athlete competing alongside high-performance able-bodied athletes? Yeah, so as you know, uh, I've got a lot of records and a lot of world records and yeah, Paralympic records and stuff like that. I am very, very proud of my time at the University of Ottawa and Dalhousie. I am very proud of being able to make an able-bodied swim team um, as a disabled athlete. And it was, you know, it, it's not for the faint of heart. You know, you, you, you get in there and you, you, you're pushing every single day. But inherently, for, for me to make the team, somebody else had, didn't, wasn't able to make the team. So when I got to uh, Ottawa, I, swam, I was a butterflyer. And I swam the 200-meter butterfly at the Ontario University Championships. I made finals. And I was the only athlete on my team to make finals. And it was, it was, it was such a, like, you just did what? You know, moment. Because I beat, like, 10 other swimmers with one leg. So it's not in the history books in terms of, like, what I did in my career. But, man, am I proud of, you know, how I, how I, I held myself. The, um, you know, I had a leadership role there. Um, it was it was a good time for me to be able to um, <clears throat> prove to everybody that disability is 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 really a, a glass half full or glass half empty. It's just a matter of how you look at it. Well, Andrew, when you step back and look at things early on in your career, the getting up early in the morning, competing alongside able-bodied athletes, winning at your first world championships, did you see yourself in the future being at the top of the podium? receiving a gold medal for Canada? Um, well, that's the goal. I mean, that, but the goal initially for me in 1990 on that plane ride uh, to, to say I was going to be world champion, I mean, that was the impetus to, to shovel the snow off the car, have more conviction, to make sure that I went to every workout. You mentioned off the top about all those early mornings. We're talking like getting up at 4.40 in the morning, you know, getting into the pool at 5.30. Sometimes it's freezing outside. In the, you know, you have driving in a car. You know, you're shoveling the snow off the car. So there's a lot to go into just the everyday. And before I get to talk about the Paralympics, I'd just like to mention something about, you know, what we put into as an effort. You know, you're not going out with your friends. You're not going drinking. You're not going to dances. You're not going to this, the, the other thing. Like, you know, the questions afterwards, like, oh, you sacrificed so much to get to the top of the podium after one world championship. And my comment was that I didn't sacrifice a thing in my career because I invested my time. 
Andrew, you train primarily on your own and you compete in most events on your own, but you also competed in team relay competitions. How important was it to you to be a part of that team? It was nice to win. It was nice to be a Paralympic champion, but it was nice to do it as part of a team because throughout my whole career, I've always embodied and, and, and felt that teamwork is, is the paramount to what we need to get to. If we want to get anywhere, we need a team. And team to me is together, everyone achieves more. And I think a lot of the listeners, especially HR professionals that are listening to this, um, can probably nod your head in agreement to this one because you realize that people in your organization, if you truly want to accomplish excellence, you truly want to accomplish something great, I'm sure that you can come up with multiple situations where you've heard about how teamwork is at the core of what you're doing each and every day. Andrew, I couldn't agree more. Teamwork makes the dream work. Now, we all deal with pressure in our own lives. Can you share how you dealt with pressure getting ready for those big races? And in general, how do you deal with pressure now? Yeah, so pressure is, uh, it's a really tricky thing. The problem with pressure is that we can't see it, right? And so it's hard to to navigate around it because it's, it's, it's anything we want in life that has pressure, uh, we, we may have a trouble seeing it. So what I do is... Um, I always just, uh, I talk to people, um, especially, I, I make sure that I, I, I learn from other people. Um, in 1999, I went to Australia to swim at uh, the Olympic pool. I wanted to go through the motions. I wanted to go through the, the ready room. I wanted to go through the change room. I wanted to get behind the blocks. I want to take my, 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 my jacket off. I wanted to swim in the races. I want to swim in the pool. So I, I put myself in a lot of situations where it was not the first time. So if I'm having a, a meeting, I will go to that room um, and I will just visualize that I'm doing it in that particular room. So when I got behind blocks, when I was ready, I knew with 100% no doubt in my mind that I was ready to go because I'd put the effort into it over and over and over. So anytime you get into a moment that you really want to do well, whether it's a sales call or presentation or something, do we not want an opportunity in our lives to shine? Do we not want an opportunity in our lives to prove to everybody that we are the best at what we do? Do we want, not want to, every day you go into the office and say to yourself, I'm going to be awesome today. And I firmly believe that, I, I, I say, it's a, I think it's a Calvin and Hobbes quote that says, uh, today is a, a, a good day for a great day. Today may not always be a great day, but for the listeners, there is great in every day. And that's how, I, that's how I approach my life. I try to, if, if I'm having a bad day, I try to find the good things in it. If I'm having a good day, I try to really embrace that good day. And I always try to move forward with what I'm doing. Andrew, in your motivational talks, you refer to a seven-step process for success that you used during your swimming career. Can you share just some of your favorite steps and why did you feel it was instrumental to your success? Yeah, sure. So I think, I think the first thing is that... Um, I'm not going to go through them all, but I just, I'll just mention that the, um, the first one was just believing in yourself, you know, setting, setting, um, you know, it's, it's all about mindset. You know, if you, you need to go in there, um, and I would say that setting goals, uh, are probably not enough. You need to set dreams. You need to have a dream. You need to have the conviction because I think when we dream, we, we dig a little bit deeper into that conviction level in terms of, you know, wanting to go after something. So I think you need to believe even something with every step of your being in terms of going on to the next, the next step. I also feel that it's important just to, to never lose sight of, of, of the prize, but, but focus on the process, not the outcome. And the other thing is about the seven-step process. 
is that I'd always make sure that uh, because of how hectic my schedule was, that I'd always make sure that I took a break before I broke. Uh, take a break before you break. Essentially, is is it's the title of the, of that one, and making sure that I just uh, I'm always um, aware that you know training's hard, training's tough, but you need time to rest and recover, and you can't possibly keep going and going and going because your mind can't take that. Your mind needs a step back to take a couple steps forward. The other thing is that is I think the last one is is, is teamwork. Not obviously this is not all seven, but is teamwork. Together everyone achieves more. There's nothing in the, in the in my career that I could accomplish without having people around me. Andrew, what advice can you give about dealing with things when they just don't go your way? Failure is something that we need sometimes to push us forward so you can be better next time. And there's a difference between failure and getting defeated. I never want anybody to feel defeated. But feeling failure is okay because you take you, you step back, you, you assess what you're doing, and then you try to be better next time. But if you feel failure, there may not be a next time because you just get uh, so down in yourself that you may not, may not think you want to do it. Andrew, I think it's important to make the point that society creates disability because of the way it's been set up. Everything from how offices and transit are set up to the typical nine to five workday. And as a result, not only do people living with disabilities, are they forced to adapt, but really at the end of the day, shouldn't it be all of society adapting to be more inclusive? Andrew, what can employers do to reduce barriers for employees living with disabilities, both visible and invisible in the workplace? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a challenge, you know, so to, uh, to, to be able to go down that path. I mean, um, at my employer, we're doing, I think, doing a lot of great strides to, um, to, to break down barriers, to, to make sure that everybody, you know, brings their oneself to work. You know, one thing my company did was, you know, they brought together all the leaders and we had a conversation amongst what, the, um, what it meant in terms of our benefits. Um, and, you know, this is your benefits. This is what you have access to. You know, cascade this down to your reports. Uh, just want to give you an, another uh, uh, heads up that your benefits may include dealing with so on and so forth um, to, for, for, for mental, mental health training or counseling or something like that. So I think a refresher on, you know, what's available to an employee uh, is a good start. And the other thing is maybe there's a resource group that you've created. I'm sure many have already um, in terms of like, you know, how can we help different employees? Um, you know, whatever, whatever they happen to be. Overly, I just think it comes down to listening and, and setting up processes and being very authentic. You know, you want to be authentic. You want people to, to realize that if they go to their HR team or they go to a, a senior leadership position or senior leadership team, that they can, they can talk to whoever that person is and not be judged and, be, um, and have an open forum, whether it's anonymous or, or whatnot, to be able to share concerns and then further than that, have those concerns slash mind slash uh, opinions um, heard on maybe the highest level. Andrew, we've all faced a rough road with COVID. So how have you remained so positive with so much uncertainty going on around us? My overall mindset is be better today than I am yesterday. Be better tomorrow than I am today. So you got to hope that, you know, tomorrow is going to be even better COVID-wise than today. Right. And then, you know, next week, same thing. The Paralympic Games are at the end of this summer. And I know I'll be watching, but can you share to others what they should be on the lookout for and 
why Canadians should pay attention to this year's Paralympics. The joke in the Paralympic circles, at least, I don't know, maybe I made the joke, I'm not really sure, but was that the, the Paralympics are uh, um, after the, uh, the test games. So I call the Olympics the, the testing event for the Paralympics, just so they can make sure the cafeteria is running smoothly. Um, but seriously, the, the Paralympics, there's so many great stories that come out of the Paralympics um, every single year. You know, everybody in there has dealt with a challenge in their life in some shape or form. And, and usually because you have a disability, you've come up, you've overcome a monumental challenge. And who listening to this call has not overcome a monumental challenge of some degree. But I think overall, it's just about um, the power of the human spirit. It's about what you can accomplish in any given day. And when I won uh, Commonwealth Games in 94, uh, the amount of people that told me that they were yelling at their television for me to swim faster was enormous. So for all those people listening, watching the Olympics or the Paralympic Games, I'm going to tell you that it may not matter about the athlete going faster if you yell at your television. But I can tell you without a doubt that that support, whether they can hear it or not, is so key to doing well. So cheer loud, cheer proud, um, yell at that television. Um, and, um, you know, we, we are all Team Canada, no matter if you're in that, if you're in that race or not. Um, as athletes, we appreciate the support of every Canadian. Well, Andrew, I am definitely one of those Canadians who will be cheering you on loudly from in front of the television. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw my. I. I mean, I, I, I get like that. I get like I'll be getting like that in the pool when I, I see a lot of people on the Olympic swim team who are friends of mine, um, like a Brent Hayden, for instance, uh, who's going to be racing. Um, good friend of mine came back to sport Olympics, 37 years old. So anybody who felt out there. Um, that they're not, uh, that they're too old for something. Brent became the, uh, the oldest Olympian in swimming to ever compete. Might even be the oldest Olympian, period, I'm not sure, but at least in swimming. So what you're saying, Andrew, is that there's definitely a chance for me to still make the Olympic team. Um, yeah, yeah, it's like Dumb and Dumber when he, uh, when he asked, uh, I think Maria Swanson her name, if, 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 he, if she could go, if he could go out with her, and he goes, she goes, there's probably but a one in a million chance. He goes, so you're telling me I have a chance. Maybe you're there, Jeff, but I, I don't. Uh, there's a chance for everybody. You know, like I said before, um, conquer your world, right? So it's, it's, it's never too late. It's never too late to try something. It's never too late to write that extra chapter in the book. Andrew, I knew it. Thanks for that vote of confidence. Now, before we wrap up today, is there anything impactful that we haven't covered that you'd like to highlight? I think we I think we did a pretty good job. I just want to say to to all the listeners, um, first of all, thank you for for listening, and just to try to take some level of uh, hopefully motivation that um, every day we you know we need to uh, we we put our socks on every day we we go to do what we're doing every day and 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 believe that uh, if you got the right mindset you can accomplish um, anything in life. Andrew, for those who'd like to get in touch, how can people get a hold of you? Yeah, sure. So I do motivational speaking, whether it's virtual or hopefully one day in person. So if you're interested in, in chatting, you can either uh, hook me up on LinkedIn. I think I'm pretty easy to find. Or um, Andrew at andrewhaley.ca is my email address. Awesome. Now let's get into the final stretch of the gold medal edition of the Insights at Work podcast. It's when I get to ask our guest their favorite things. You ready for this, Andrew? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Let's start off with What's your favorite tool to help you get things done? Focus. Okay. What's your favorite resource to go to 
for industry information. Industry information. Uh, my coworkers. You know, if, if I'm looking for industry information, I'm going to go to uh, my coworkers who probably know better than I do in some cases. Andrew, what's the first concert you ever attended? Huh. I think it was Corey Hart uh, back in the, uh, the, the, the forum in Sydney. Um, Never Surrender. Never Surrender. That could be your theme song. Andrew, what's the best concert you've ever attended? Ooh. Um, it's almost a tie between, this is going, this is two sides. Uh, Garth Brooks and uh, the, the Killers at Maskey Hall in Toronto were phenomenal. Awesome. Andrew, what's your favorite piece of advice that you'd give to a young professional just starting out? Believe in yourself. You know, give yourself a break. Give yourself, a, if you make mistakes, learn from them. It's okay to make a mistake here, there, um, but make sure that uh, you come back stronger. And since this is a very unique episode of the Insights at Work podcast, I have one last and unique question for you. Andrew, what meant more to you, setting a world record or taking home a Paralympic gold medal? Uh, oh my God, it's a tough question. Um, I think the Paralympic gold medal because the world record can be broken. And even though it was really great to, 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 to set world records, but when you're a Paralympic champion, I guess if you're a world record holder, but you can't take away that moment in time. And when we did it, we did it as part of a world, uh, it was a world record, but we did it as part of a team. So I have that, that piece of hardware that I'm able to, uh, to show it to groups to back home. So I'm going to say being a, a Paralympic champion, um, very proud of that moment. Well, Andrew, I'm so proud that we were able to have you on today's podcast. I've taken a ton of notes and I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks for coming on the Insights at Work podcast. Jeff, it's been a blast. Thanks for having me. And this is the part of the podcast where I thank everyone for listening in. I know it's tough to find time to carve out for thought leadership and I appreciate you, the listener, for making the time for us. Anything we can do to help ourselves get better at something is time well spent. On our next episode, we'll be talking with more HR experts about today's most important HR issues. I'm Jeff Livingston. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay healthy, and be kind. We'll see you soon on our next episode of ADP's Insights at Work.